Well, good morning, everyone, from my side. My name is Craig, and it is uh, a joy for me to serve on staff here at Riverside and to be able to share God's Word with you. Also, welcome to all of you who are joining us online this morning. Identity is one of the biggest issues that we face as individuals, as a community, uh, as a church. It dominates um, media. It is something that is going to war against us at every stage of our lives. Hence, the need for us to be speaking into this with the emphasis on the word dent. Because we are always being dented in our identity with everything that goes on around us, everything that goes on in our lives, at work, in our homes. It is a struggle and a tension every single day to live in the identity that God calls me to and has established in me versus what the world, culture, people around us are calling us to, to live in. And this tension exists, and this tension is always going to exist, which is why we have spent a number of weeks laying down uh, the biblical foundation for who does God say I am. And just to remind about some of those things, we looked at passages that speak about how God has set it up that we are called His children. God says, you are my son, my daughter, I am your father. Passages where you are a co-heir with Christ in all things that he will inherit. We looked at passages where it actually uses the word adoption. It's a legal thing that God has adopted us into his family. So much of biblical truth speaks to our identity that has been established for us. It's, it's core to who we are. We looked at uh, the story that Jesus teaches about what is known familiarly as the prodigal son, that no matter how bad it gets, we are loved by the Father, that He welcomes us with an embrace and He celebrates. You know, we looked at things like how deceptive it could be if I buy into the narrative of always trust your true self. And we spoke about how we've got to lay that down to accept the self that is established for us in Jesus. These are the truths that were laid down for us in this series, incredible biblical truths to help us fully understand this is the identity that Jesus has called me to. You know, Craig, that's been fantastic, but that's not my life, right, because Theory is amazing until you have to get out and, and actually play. You can study the sport, you can watch videos, you can, uh, you, you know, study and study and study and study, but eventually you've got to get out and play. And that's when things become a little bit more difficult. And I think you understand because you've probably been going through some of these struggles yourself during this identity series. Craig, I'm trying to live out what God has called me to be. And I hear the truth. I want to believe the truth, but my life is complicated. My life is difficult. You don't understand my family dynamics. You don't understand what work pressure is like. You don't understand all the triggers that are in my life that, that cause me to, to need to go into those places of, of instant gratification. I get it, which is why we're going to be doing what we're doing this morning. To help set this up, 
I wonder, uh, parents, you'll identify with this. And uh, if you've got friends who've had kids, maybe you're an, you know, an auntie or things, there's a special moment that starts to happen in the life of every parent. And uh, that's a, a shot of uh, my little boy a couple years ago. And that's when they start to want to get moving and start to walk. Wonderful moment. Now, my wife and I, what we used to do was we'll put a blanket out in the garden and we'd sit a little ways from each other. And Aaron, that's my boy's name, he would start with one of us and then we'd call him over and, and, and he would like try to cover the distance between us. And, and he would get up onto his legs and, and take a few steps and then he would fall. And it would be at that point I would say, you are useless. How rubbish you are. Why are you even trying to do this? Right, said no parent ever. What a wonderful time when you are so gentle and encouraging with your child when they're learning to walk. Two steps and a fall. Are you okay? Oh, well done. You know, just cheering them on after two steps. And it's this time of just incredible gentleness and encouragement and motivation that you're just so thrilled that they took two steps and stumbled. And if you're a parent, you know that they might have taken two steps and stumbled, and it'd be another month before they get up and try walk again. But there's still grace, gentleness, kindness, love, motivation. Yes, it's a baby. Yes, it's learning to walk. But you know, it's amazing is when we view ourselves as adults, there's this incredible level of cynicism and this critical spirit that we somehow attach to ourselves. Because how do we treat ourselves when we stumble and fall and we fail? Right? How many of us love failing? Yeah. None of us. Right? How many of us are like covert perfectionists, where we put such high expectations upon ourselves that we really beat ourselves up every time we don't get something right. You know, just the, the polar opposites, a child learning to take their first few steps, everyone is just filled with joy and grace, compassion, motivation, it's encouraging but we make a mistake, man, and we turn ourselves into a punching bag. And the words we use to describe ourselves and how we punch ourselves up when we don't get it right. And this is going to be one of the biggest struggles for us in the tension between who God says I am and living that out and with what the world says I am, and living that out, is going to be how do I deal with my own failings when I get it wrong? And we're going to get it wrong. If you've been great through the series and you're on a good streak, long may that last. But if you're like me, you've probably got it wrong multiple times already. Look what it says here in Romans 7. I'm just going to read very quickly through some verses because this speaks to the human condition that I'm talking about. Now, bear in mind, the person who's writing this, if you know anything a little bit about church, this is the high and mighty great Apostle Paul, responsible for so much of the New Testament. 
the one who took the gospel to millions, who established churches across the known world at the time. This guy, like, he is first draft on Team Jesus. Here is what he talks about himself here. Romans chapter 7. We know that the law is spiritual, but I am unspiritual, sold as a slave to sin. I do not understand what I do, for what I want to do, I do not do, but what I hate, I do. And if I do what I do not want to do, I agree that the law is good. As it is, it is no longer I myself who do it, but it is a sin living within me. For I know that good itself does not dwell in me, that is in my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. Does that sound a little bit familiar? Maybe it describes the last five days of your life. For I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do. This I keep on doing. Now if I do what I don't want to do, it is no longer I who do it, but the sin living in me that does it. So I find this law at work. Although I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For in my inner being, I delight in God's law, but I see another law at work in me, waging war against the law of my mind, making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within me. What a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? Thanks be to God who delivers me through Christ Jesus our Lord. There's a lot going in, in there. I can't unpack everything, but can you identify with what he's saying? In me, I delight in God's law. We celebrate those passages, that biblical truth. I think everyone here agrees. Those truths are wonderful. We agree with them. We believe in them. We delight in our soul at knowing who I am in Christ. But I have this job. Or there's these issues in my family. You don't know what happened to me in my past. I get that life is complicated. And so we even see Apostle Paul struggling with the same tension. I delight in the truth, but I see this tension in me. I don't always get it right. And as I said, we are going to struggle with this throughout our life. This is going to remain. Who God says I am, the truth of his word, all that he's calling me to, and just the sinful world that is always calling us away. Now, we're going to make mistakes. We're going to mess up. And what I want to encourage us with this morning, especially part of our identity, is our ability to recover quickly in understanding how God deals with our failures so that we can deal with our failures. Because again, you're going to see the truth about what God says about our sin and our failings and our shortcomings. And then there's going to be what we say about our own sin failings and shortcomings. And and as I said, how we punch ourselves up really badly when it comes to all of that. Now, the key is verse 25 of that passage in Romans 7. But thanks be to God who delivers me through Christ Jesus our Lord. And this is just the hope that Paul calls out to, right? And this has been the hope. That's our identity. It's all that has been established for us in Jesus. So in dealing with with our failures, again, we've got to come back to our core identity that has been established for us in Jesus. 
And what's going to help us is this passage in Hebrews chapter 4. Now, if you spend a little bit of time with me and you've chatted to me on a personal level, you will know that this passage is maybe my top one, two, or three passages that I go to in Scripture. For me, this is such a key passage in learning about the nature of the Father, about ourselves, and how to deal with what's going on in our lives. So, from uh, Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14, it says this, Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus the Son of God, let's hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to emphasize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Verse 16 is is the key one here. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Now, just as we break this down, two very important words in this passage, grace and mercy. Now, we often maybe get confused. People use them interchangeably, but there is a subtle difference between the word grace and the word mercy. It is going to be up on the screen there. So here's the simplest definition for mercy. Mercy is not getting what I did deserve, okay? Mercy is not getting what I did deserve, where grace is getting what I didn't deserve, So that makes perfect sense, Craig. Thank you for clearing all of that up for me. Remember, when it comes to the death of Jesus Christ, who deserved to die for their sin? Me. I deserved the full wrath and punishment of God because I was the one with sin. Who was the one who received the punishment for my sin? It's Jesus. So I was spared the full wrath of God. It was put on someone else. That's mercy. I didn't receive what I did deserve. Then grace is the fact that I have eternity with him as my future. Now I'm in the kingdom. Now I'm adopted. Now I'm a child of God. Now I'm a co-heir with Christ. That's getting what I didn't deserve. So you see the subtle but very important difference between grace and mercy. Now, what I often find is we talk about grace a lot, but we don't often talk about mercy a lot. And mercy is, is very, very important, especially when dealing with sin and failure and when I mess up with God. Because when I sin... And Scripture talks about all of this. The punishment for sin is death. But instead, we received mercy. Mercy is the very reason I'm standing here today because I was not punished for my sin. It was all put on Jesus. Instead, I received the mercy of God, which enabled me to receive His grace and so actually be here in His presence with you today. So as we break down this passage, it's first describing Jesus as my high priest. The writer drawing from the Old Testament analogy of the person who was responsible for going into the very presence of God. 
he would go into the presence of God where he would make an offering for the nation's sin. That was the job of the high priest. And when Jesus is uh, identified and described as our high priest, the perfect high priest who went into the very presence of God, who made the sacrifice on our behalf, as a result, we get grace and mercy. This incredible high priest, and again, so important this passage, who understands and emphasizes with my weakness. We spoke, we read through the passage with Paul. See how these passages are linking. Our struggle, I'm gonna struggle with living out all that God has called me to, but Jesus understands. Because the same struggles that I'm going through, I can go to a high priest who identifies because went through the exact same struggles, yet was without sin, so that I could then, next bit, go to the throne of grace with confidence. Now, isn't that just the most powerful visual image? Just in your mind, I don't know what you see when you hear the words, I get to approach the throne of grace with confidence. That word throne, who sits on a throne? In this case, it's the king of kings, the Lord of lords, the one who spoke creation into being. You know, if there's a throne, there's a room, and I just, it says we can enter into that presence. And the very reason we can is because there was a high priest, Jesus, who went before us. Now, that throne is called the throne of grace. We get to be in that place We get to be before the throne with what? Trepidation, trembling, fear, shame, guilt. What's the word that's used? Confidence. Confidence. And then what do we receive when we approach that throne with confidence? Grace and mercy. You know, Scripture's very clear on a couple of things. And this is one of those very clear cases. Every time we come before the presence of God, we receive grace and mercy in our time of need. You are guaranteed those things. And that has been established for us in Jesus. Absolutely amazing that we know that we have those things, that we can approach the throne with grace or with confidence, because we receive grace, and we receive mercy, and what does it say? In our time of need. So if we are struggling with our very identity, if we're struggling with who God is calling us to be, to live that out, what do I have available to me? I have access to the throne of grace, and what do I receive? Grace and mercy in my time of need. Do I receive judgment? Do I receive an angry father who's going to beat me up with a stick because I failed again? We don't see any of that in Scripture. What it establishes for us is an identity where we are loved, and it is safe for us to come before the Father and deal with our failings. We preached a couple of weeks ago about the prodigal son, and I shared that that might be one of the most important stories of all of Scripture. It's so important because it shows the father's heart to the son's failings. When he returns to the father, he's embraced, he's loved, he's welcomed. 
Because for us, when we fail, we're faced with multiple choices. When I blow it and I realize that I have sinned, in my mind, and we've been there, so you know what I'm talking about. We can talk about it like this. So I, I, I hear the message, I read in God's word, so I decide I am going to walk in this way. I'm going to live this out. Can be whatever. And so you're doing really well. You're trying really, really hard. And then something triggers you. And then you go into that space, whatever your space is, for instant gratification. Could be the websites that you go to. Could be food. Could be binge TV. Could be sleeping, whatever. Too much exercise. Spent you know, a number of hours in the gym. Just whatever you do to try and deal with the fact that you messed up again, that you fell, that you sinned, that you disobeyed God, whatever language you use in your mind, but you did it again. Now you've got to resolve that somehow. And so, as I said, do we go the roots of our instant gratification to try to feel better in ourselves? Do we bury our head in the sand and just try and let time pass till we feel better about it? But like the prodigal son, eventually at rock bottom, he realizes, but you're even the servants in my father's house are better than this. And so at some point we come to the father. But what this is trying to show us is that we don't ever have to wait to come back to the father to deal with our failure. Why? Because of mercy. Steve mentioned a couple of weeks ago, our past, present, and future sin have been dealt with fully by Jesus on the cross. So I don't need to buy into the sin, shame, guilt cycle. This isn't an excuse for us just to go crazy and know that Jesus is just going to whitewash everything I've done. Please, if you're hearing that, that's completely wrong. This is about us enjoying the Father and always being enjoying His presence, even while I'm struggling to work this out. That I never have to be the perfectionist Christian to enjoy the love and grace of the Father. I enjoy him because he loves me no matter what. And while I'm trying to figure out how to do this thing called life with Jesus here on earth as I live in the kingdom and I hear the truth of his word and all the principles that are there for me to enjoy abundant life, and as I get it wrong, I get to just recover quickly. We call this falling forward that instead of beating myself up and taking weeks to recover, not feeling like I can come to church, not knowing how to worship again because I made the decision last week that I was not going to go to that internet site and I wasn't gonna do that again. But then you did. So now you're gonna know, how do I go back to church? How do I even worship again knowing that I made a promise to God but I failed? Because of mercy. Because God's mercy exists so that you can say, Jesus, I blew it again. And if that again is the 150,000th time you said the word again, his mercy exists for you in that moment. That you can say, Jesus, I'm sorry. I messed up again. And you know what you find in that moment? Unconditional love grace and acceptance. The embrace of the father who says, I love you, my son, or I love you, my daughter. That at core to our identity, 
is this word mercy. That as I walk out my faith, as I learn to live out all that God has called me to, when I stumble and fall, what picks me up is mercy. That I can still, in my sin, walk into the throne room of God before I'll be struck down immediately by his presence because of my sin. But because of Christ, because of his completed work, I get what I didn't deserve. And I don't get what I did deserve. And for that very reason, there is grace and this word mercy so that I can step into his presence. If, if this still isn't convincing you, Lamentations 3, verse 22 and 23. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Often we appropriate our human emotions to the emotions of God because my mercy runs out. Okay? My mercy runs out, but his does not. See, I can never fall and fail past the mercy of God. I cannot out mess it up. It's just impossible for me to go through this life and reach an end of God's mercy where he says, sorry, Craig, I've had it with you. I'm, I'm not gonna hear your repentance again. I'm not gonna hear how, how you're gonna say sorry because you messed up. I'm sorry, I'm tired of it. Doesn't exist in the heart of the Father. It doesn't. What does exist is unending mercy that's new every morning, which means I can fail forward I can stumble forward. I can get up very quickly and carry on pursuing all that Jesus has called me to. In such safety, I can actually exercise muscles of faith that I can try. Because something about perfectionists, right? Sometimes you don't even want to try because you just don't want to mess up. So you're not even going to go there. But not with living as God's people. We get to try and mess up and carry on trying and carry on trying and carry on trying to be better husbands and trying to be better fathers and better mothers and better wives and better colleagues, better neighbors, better uh, one another's as we do faith and community, just better brothers and sisters in Christ. We just get to be that in such safety because of the mercy of God that exists for when I fail, I just get to cry out in front of the throne of grace with such confidence because I know I'll receive what? Grace and mercy in my time of need. We're having communion together today. And this is such a core part of our identity. Maybe you're new to, to church and you're going like, why do you guys do this so regularly? This is something that Jesus set up to be part of our core identity. What we do is we take a type of bread. We use what's available to us. And when Jesus was doing this with his disciples, as he started this time of remembrance, he took bread and he went, this is my body broken for you. And he, he tore a piece of bread. That's mercy. Jesus' body broken for me so that I don't receive what I do deserve.
And so I remember every time I come and I, and I hold that bread and, I, and I, I break it, I remember I have mercy. And this mercy never ends. And this mercy is new for me today. And then I go to the cup and that's grace. As Jesus said, this is my blood poured out for you. And we know that's our sin forgiven, that I can stand in his presence as his son, as his daughter. So church, this is what's going to happen now. We're going to come and I'm, oh, I'm going to pray. You're going to take communion. And shortly after that, the, the band is going to come up and they're going to lead us in a time of worship. But I want you to start to be thinking about the mercy of God. Maybe you have never thought about calling out to God's mercy in your life. Maybe you've really been battling with some, some stuff and you're going, I'm just not getting this right. Maybe today's gonna be the first time that you actually call out to the mercy of God for these things in your life. So you're gonna take communion. You're gonna be thinking about God's grace and mercy in your life. We're gonna enter into a time of worship. But then we've got a, a prayer team that just love you. And uh, like all, all of us here at Riverside, we want you to be experiencing all that Jesus has for you. And so maybe you've never experienced the mercy of God in your life. This is a safe opportunity for you to do that. There's a number of open seats in the front. You can just during worship, even after worship, you just come and take a seat or stand and someone from the prayer team will come and just pray quietly with you. But as a step of faith, go, I wanna experience your mercy, God. It's available to me. I've never prayed for it. I've never asked God for your mercy. I need it. As that scripture says, I can go before the throne with confidence that I may receive mercy in my time of need. If you're needing that, it's available because God gives it. So that's what we're going to transition into now. Jesus, I'm so grateful for your love and for your mercy. Because without it, I stand no chance. Your mercy in my life deals with my sin. Because all the punishment that was laid on me was laid on you, Jesus. You took the full wrath of God for my sin. But that mercy wasn't once off. That mercy extends day after day, never ending, new every single day. So Jesus, as we as a church want to live out all that your word calls us to, Thank you, Jesus, for your mercy that enables us to do that. And so, Jesus, I pray that you would encourage us so much more by your Spirit to live in your mercy every day so that we can take steps of faith to be all that you call us to be in your word. Jesus, I want to pray for anybody that's feeling really beat up this morning, that's really struggling with how they've been living their life, feeling so much guilt and shame. Jesus, I pray that you would really pour out your mercy on their life, that they would know that they are loved right now, that they've always been loved and always will be loved. Jesus, thank you that we with confidence can stand in your presence. Jesus, would you not just pour out your spirit? and allow us to experience that this morning. In your holy name, amen. So please, as you're ready,